Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Well, our guest has got his cowboy boots on, representing rural Colorado. We're talking with Senator Cleve Simpson of Alamosa. He's an expert in water. He's an expert in agriculture. And you're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour. A little cowboy wisdom. We always like to throw in a little cowboy wisdom. I'm sure you've heard a lot of good cowboy one-liners, Senator Simpson. But this is... We're all struggling right now in this economy. The inflation's brutal. We as a family, we have four kids and all the ranching needs of having a little goat farm that we don't have quite the operation you do. But, uh, you know, everything's more expensive. Hay's more expensive. Grain's more expensive. Minerals for the goats are more expensive. Uh, Bedding for the goats is more expensive. And then we've got four kids that we've got to feed. So Milk is more expensive. Cheese and all that stuff. Here's a little cowboy wisdom for you. The quickest way to double your money is to fold it over and put it back in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's the best thing that you can do in this economy. Just keep the money in your pocket uh, and survive. I think we're going right into a recession. I think we're already in a recession, and it's not good news. The, The policies at the federal and state level have really been harming the state and our communities and so uh, keep that money in your pocket senator simpson i'm going to throw an idea at you this is my wild idea i threw this out at the western caucus and i was about laughed out of the room and maybe if i ever become the president one day this will be my signature delivery for this country but it might also just be hunt's folly uh we were talking as a region about all the water issues with you know senator steve danes from montana and all these folks and i just said we build pipelines to move oil from Kansas all the way down to the Gulf of Me- or from Canada all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, we've got a great interstate system called I-70 that I think you can just put a pipeline right next to. And in certain parts of this country, you've got a lot of water. You know, you got Midwest and eastern parts of this country oftentimes have flooding and water just kind of racing right down to the Gulf of Mexico. Is there any opportunity to just pipe that? right back up to the western united states and if we need a little water we we put it in the pipeline if we don't we just let it go on through and i think either the cost of it or uh, the idea of pumping water up uh, into the mountains uh, was laughed out of the room but that why can't we just do something like that i assume economics drive that people have talked about doing it for a long time but ironically i looked this morning the mississippi river on, on the lower end is at record lows the barges are are sitting there waiting for for fall rains to bring the level i was like amazed all the water challenges we have here i i never thought i'd read about the mississippi river on the lower end being at record low levels so but it's really it's really probably just economics and physics and the Mm. the challenge of moving water and the the value of it right now it's not you know it's not oil or or natural gas so uh, at some point, it might get there. I keep thinking you're either going to have to bring water here eventually, or people are going to have to go to where the water is. One of the two, but but in the interim, is this pressure that that I feel in in rural Colorado to go? You know, eighty plus percent of the water consumed in this state is consumed by agriculture. But we all want to eat, right? We like enjoy a steak and potatoes, and so that that again, you know, my motivation to be here was thinking about. If you don't 
take care of rural Colorado, you you run the risk of fundamentally changing what the landscape looks like here. And I, I represent Crowley County is one of the counties that I represent. Crowley County went through this same kind of discussion years ago. And I don't, you know, I don't hold anything against the folks that made decisions, but Crowley County in the 80s had 50,000 irrigated acres, alfalfa and orchards and uh, a variety of crops. And because of a, a number, sugar beets was one of them. And a, a number of circumstances unfolded in, in the 80s that put so much pressure on the ag producers there. Most of them, majority of them decided to sell their water rights. So today, Crowley County went from 50,000 irrigated acres to only five, about 5,000 irrigated acres. They're not driven by an ag-based economy anymore. They're, they're driven by private prison system and go, this is the, you know, this is a poster child for what can happen if you just not, if you're not paying enough attention and thoughtful enough about where, where we're headed, you can change the landscape all down the lower Arkansas and in the San Luis Valley and in the South Platte. So trying to be, you know, engaged and thoughtful and thinking about, I'm certainly more sensitive now driving up here or looking out your window of, you know, turf, Kentucky bluegrass everywhere. It's beautiful, but like... And you're not going to solve this problem by eliminating Kentucky bluegrass. But I'm sensitive to we're drying up farms in the San Luis Valley because we don't have enough water. Because our water table has dropped. You, you referenced uh, Lake Powell or Lake Mead. We don't I, in the San Luis Valley in the Rio Grande Basin. We don't have a great big reservoir like that. But we have this again this prolific aquifer that we've monitored the change in that aquifer since 1976. And after a decade of assessing ourselves fees and putting 70 million dollars towards different crops and better efficiencies and 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 really paying people to fallow ground after all that effort the the aquifer is at nearly its lowest point today much like you know like mead we're at the lowest point since we've ever been recording it and it's just that that realization again that supplies just continue continue to be a challenge and we got to figure this collectively we need to try to figure this out and for us again we, we keep focusing on improvement in irrigation efficiencies that'll gain us a little bit of ground different crops with less less water consumptive use crops i raise alfalfa the most water consumptive use crop we can grow but that's what my dad did that's what my grandpa did my great grandpa did all my capital investment is in raising hay to feed cows or goats or to to ship to dairymen in new mexico that's where all my premium hay goes to dairymen in new mexico and they they make cheese out of it that shows up here. But, you know, I, my son and I are, are, you know, managing this and thinking about I, we can't keep doing the same thing we've been doing for decades. Uh, um, it's just not going to be sustainable. So we're looking at soil health options and opportunities. This is the first year he and I raised 50 acres of industrial hemp, but we raised it just for the fiber. So there, there was been this hemp explosion over the last few years about CBD oil, where there were great big returns on usually on small acreages. But so we, we raised 50 acres and we cut it, and that's really what he's doing today is baling that hemp to deliver to a processor in the valley to take that hemp stock and convert it into fiber and and herd and go. I I raised that crop on half the water as my alfalfa crop. Mm. And only did 50 acres. And we, in the San Luis Valley, we have a, collectively, the community has about 150,000 acres of, of alfalfa. And go, you know, that's that's a huge, if we can figure that out, if we can make it, you know, economically viable for producers, they're all hungry to figure out 
you know, what do we do different? Because right. this path we're on isn't doesn't have a bright future to it. And I mentioned I have a grandson. I'd like to make sure my son's the fifth generation that has this opportunity and at least give my, my grandson that same option 20 years or 30 years from now that we've we've done the things to set it up for success. So we're all faced with this, you know, this, again, declining supplies and the ever-growing demand. And we, we just got to continue to try to come together to find solutions. I'm adamant about trying to help my colleagues at the Colorado legislature have a better appreciation for all the pressures that we feel and across the state, not just in agriculture, but the environmental community and the recreational community and what it means to all of us, commercial, commercial and municipal, and, you know, having them exposed to the challenges and the realities that we're all facing about this diminishing supplies. To your point, it's too easy to just turn on the tap here. And as long as water's there, we, we all feel pretty good. And as long as there's meat and potatoes and, and greens on the shelves, we all we're all happy and I'm like continue to try to figure out how do you help people understand they should know where their water comes from and they should know where their food comes from. I encourage people to go down to the state capitol because it'll give you a really good sense of the history of water if you actually walk around the staircase right there in kind of the main area it's like the history like the paintings in the capitol on the walls not just hanging but like actually on the walls is all about the importance of water to the state and how it feeds all these different industries. It's, yeah. it is really, it, going back to that, that, it's gold in the state of Colorado. It is, that that rotunda is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm almost 60 years old. I never was in the Capitol my entire life till I got elected was the first time. But on that, you know, on that rotunda floor is a, a poem by Thomas Hornsby Farrell. That I think he's the first Colorado poet laureate. And the first line is, here's a land where life is written in water. And that, you know, that was at the turn of the century. And it just continues to, again, that, that sense of urgency and, and the challenges are just growing exponentially. We've been talking today with Senator Cleve Simpson of Senate District 35. He's from Alamosa. Great background on water. He's the general manager of the Rio Grande Water Conservation District, as well as a fourth generation farmer and that's why we're doing what we want to do we want to support these families in these communities we want them to be able to pass on to their children to their grandchildren to their great-grandchildren what they have inherited and what they've worked so hard to be able to do and that also affects everybody else in the state of colorado the cheese the milk the food that you purchase the water that you have we are all connected so we need to be serving and representing uh, the interests of rural Colorado well. Friends, we are people of prayer, and I think, you know, if we're in this drought and we've been facing these challenges, we should be praying. Uh, pray for God to bring a good heavy snow season. I know that really affects the industry that I came out of, which was the recreational industry. Five summers as a river guide. I remember 2002, uh, which was the big 100-year drought, we thought it was, and it was just horrific, and uh, we had all the wildfires, and then yeah, the industry, the tourism industry, and then the ag industry didn't have enough water. So uh, we're all connected in this. Let's continue to pray for our brothers and sisters that are in the rural communities that really rely upon this and, uh, and lift up these needs to God. Friends, you have been listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour. It's been wonderful to be with you. If you missed any aspect of it, go to FrontierFreedomRadio.com, FrontierFreedomRadio.com. We'll be right back here next week. God bless you all. Yeehaw.